This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, everybody. And welcome to the Billboard.com Pop Shop Podcast. My name is Keith Caulfield, and I am the Senior Director of Charts at Billboard. And joining me, as always... Billboard's Deputy Editor Digital, Katie Atkinson. Hi, Katie. Oh, hey, Keith. How was your weekend? It was great. I love, I love Hollow Weekend, as they call it. Oh, yeah. If you, <laughs> if you follow Katie on social media, you may have seen that her and her family dressed up as, like, lumberjacks. We were lumberjacks. A and, family of lumberjacks. And Baby Cal had a plastic axe. Yeah, Dan and, customized it, because apparently they don't sell baby-sized axes. Honey, and so. you wouldn't, you, you'd think, like, around <laughs> Halloween, at least, they would, like, you know... There, there would be some like Home Depot store that would like get on on the baby <laughs> child axe size act. Child size action. Uh, turns yeah. out not so much. Probably that's a good idea. <laughs> um, well, as always, the Billboard Pop Shop Podcast is your one stop shop for all things pop on Billboard's weekly charts. In addition, you can always count on a lively discussion about the latest pop news, fun chart stats and stories, new music, and guest interviews with music stars and folks from the world of pop. Today on the show, we've got news about Ariana Grande, BTS, Charlie Puth, the A Star Is Born soundtrack, Travis Scott, and Kiss. Pop stars kiss. Pop stars kiss. (laughs) Noted pop stars kiss. Uh, Plus, we've got an interview with Mike Posner. We're talking about his latest single, Song About You, his upcoming new album, and more. So stick around for that. But first, before we get started, if you enjoy the podcast, subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast provider so you won't miss an episode. And if you want to explore more podcasts from Billboard, visit billboard.com slash podcasts. So let's talk about some news, shall we? Yeah. Um, first up, uh, you know, we were waiting for some some new music news from Ariana Grande, and we got Sweetener World Tour dates. hey um, On Thursday, Ariana Grande announced the Sweetener World Tour via Twitter, um, which will start in uh, March in Albany, New York. And so far has dates through June at New York's Madison Square Garden. Weirdly, she's starting in March in New York, but she doesn't finish until June back in, in New, New York. York. But don't worry, there'll be more added. Like, you, this just seems feel preliminary. feel like the routing of the tour could have started better. You just hit Madison <laughs> Square Garden right after Albany. I mean, I do think that free, typically artists like to hit a smaller market and then return to the bigger markets once they have the tour, like, fully, mm. you know developed and rehearsed so we're hitting albany boise yeah we're, we're starting in albany and we're ending in madison square garden because that will be the ultimate show that probably sees the most number of fans in front of her Got it. Okay. i would think sure um but uh before the announcement grande told fans on twitter that she felt emotionally ready to return to touring following a turbulent few months for the singer that included of course the death of her ex-boyfriend mac miller in september and her breakup with fiance pete davidson earlier this month um this will also mark grande's 
first tour since her Dangerous Woman tour, which was hit by tragedy when a bomber attacked the Manchester Arena following her concert there. Yeah, so Ariana's had a lot going on, and uh, fans didn't know when they would see her out on tour, so I think they were all thrilled to hear the tour announcement last week. Um, And the Sweetener World Tour pre-sale begins Thursday, and then all tickets will be on sale on Saturday. Hmm. Next up, speaking of tours, after 45 years together, Kiss Kiss is hitting the road for their final tour. Sure. It's the year of the farewell tour. So many have announced this year. Yeah. Ones that go on for like years and, and years and I don't years and believe years. a single one of them. <laughs> Keith's going on record as saying none of these people are telling the truth. <laughs> Elton John will be back. Kiss will be back. Paul Simon will be back. Uh, Elvis Costello will be back. Uh, what Look, else is there? We've, we've heard this tale before. <laughs> See also the Eagles. See also Cher's multiple farewell tours. <laughs> I mean, at least she's not calling them farewell anymore. Uh, uh, anyway, well, so kiss. So the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame band will launch their end of the road tour on January 31st in Vancouver and play an additional 43 dates throughout North America for their farewell excursion. The end of the road tour will include Paul Stanley, Gene Simmons, Tommy Thayer, and Eric Singer. Of course, not the original lineup of Kiss. Well, at least you um, have half of it. But you have half. 50% is pretty good uh, for the multi-year run, which promises dates until at least 2020. Mm. So... At you least. got time, guys. At yeah, least. at least. <laughs> Who knows how long it could go on for. Uh, the final North American date is scheduled for April 13th in Birmingham, Alabama, as of now. Um, and our own, very own Taylor Mims actually got to catch up with the band in full makeup last week. Was, um, was Taylor in makeup? Uh, no, no, I don't believe so. Okay. Uh, and uh, she spoke with uh, Paul and Jean, uh, and Paul told her of the tour, quote, a thank you is in order, but also one last time to live up to what everybody says we have been and what we are. Oh, yeah. And of course, Gene Simmons has to be his full Gene Simmons self and oh, no. says, oh, no. we don't wish any ill will to anybody else, but we're too busy being the most fabulous band on planet Earth. Look at us. Just one look and you go, wow. <laughs> so there you go. You know, you, you gotta love <laughs> his you, commitment. <laughs> yes, it's like commitment to Sparkle Motion. You just gotta love it. Uh, um, I mean, have you have you seen Kiss live? Before? I only saw them play at an American Idol finale one time. Oh, that was with Adam Lambert. Yeah, and it was awesome. And and yeah. it was one of those shows where, like, you know, you're sitting in the audience. Way I was not by any means in like the front few rows. And could feel the pyro, like, burning my face, <laughs> like, from the back of, you know, whatever Dolby Theater where I was. Wow. Yeah. It's, it was it was very cool. Well, I'm sure it'll be a spectacle. You know, there is actually one band that I almost kind of believe that it was really their farewell tour. Yes. Motley Crue. Oh. Like, they've, they've repeatedly said, no, we are not going back out on the road together. Well. So. <laughs> that's the only one Keith believes will stay... T- Stay tuned to Motley Crue. I, I mean, maybe there are others, but uh, we'll, we'll we'll see how the Kiss spectacle turns out. Anyway. Indeed. And uh, finally, in a global pop crossover, uh, BTS is set to team up with Charlie Puth for a joint performance at the inaugural NBC Plus Times Genie Music Awards. These are brand new awards. Oh. Uh, on November 6th in South Korea. I was going to say, I'm like, I don't You're know. Like, I've never heard of this. No. This will be the first year for the awards. That could be why we haven't heard of them. <laughs> Indeed. Um, so on Monday, the organizers of the 2018 Awards show announced the collaboration, which will precede Puth's two concerts at Seoul's Jamsil Stadium on November 7th and 8th. 
So he's there, and they thought, now's a good time. Sure. Um, it is yet to be announced what BTS and Puth will perform together. Uh, but they, they have a bit of a social media history. In March of last year, the BTS account tweeted, we really like Charlie Puth's music. And Charlie tweeted back at them, check your DMs. So obviously these people have been talking. And uh, now they have a chance to hit the stage together. Yeah. So wow. uh, I'm sure that will hit the internet immediately after it airs. So, you know, stay tuned for that. Well, stay tuned to the NBC Plus Times Genie Music Awards. <laughs> um, what are they honoring at the Genie Awards? Yeah, I, I'm assuming if BTS are performing, I just assumed it was... They're just giving I mean, BTS is, an We know award. it is music awards. I just don't know, like, what <laughs> kind of music. No, it's the Tupperware Awards. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay. Uh, so we'll look forward to that. Um, let's do some chart chat. First up, Lady Gaga and Bradley Cooper's A Star Is Born soundtrack holds at number one on the Billboard 200 Albums chart for a third straight week, earning 109,000 equivalent album units in the week ending October 25th. Now that's down 24% from the previous week according to Nielsen Music. And of the most recent week's unit sum, 61,000 were in traditional album sales. That's down 30%. Uh, it's it's good to note here that the album it continues to actually sell well, and uh, it's basically all thanks to the movie doing so spectacularly and the great reviews, and it's just like... People keep going to see the movie and then keep discovering the music and then discover the album. Like committing to actually paying to purchase an album. I mean, that's how good the music in the movie is, though. I mean, it's, it's, this, is, this is reacting very much in a Greatest Showman-like way, mm-hmm. except this movie, Star is Born, is actually getting both critical and sort of kind of mass consumer notices in mm-hmm. a positive way, whereas The Greatest Showman kind of like got a critical drubbing, but like mass audiences loved it. Yeah. So this is a little bit different. Um, and also has Lady Gaga in it. Uh, A Star is Born is the first soundtrack to spend its first three weeks at number one in more than 10 years. Stop. Yeah. That's wild. The last album to do so was the soundtrack to the Disney Channel TV movie High School Musical 2, which (laughs) ruled for its first four weeks. Now, the last theatrical film soundtrack, like A Star is Born, to score its first three weeks at number one was Bad Boys 2 back in 2013. 2013 no 2003 mm-hmm. and it's been its first four weeks atop the list now that statistic might sort of surprise you because like wait no like didn't frozen spend like a billion yeah, weeks in number or one adele but like the soundtrack oh we're talking about soundtracks yes. right now okay i got really excited about it. i was like wait what about adele <laughs> honey don't no mi- don't mind me <laughs> soundtracks adele did, has not done a soundtrack yet um <laughs> uh, yeah soundtracks there are soundtracks that have spent like frozen spent something like more than 10 weeks at number one but frozen did not debut at number one okay therefore it's first you know week at did num- greatest showman have three weeks at number one um like not consecutively obviously no it had, it had two weeks at number one two weeks okay. but it didn't debut at number one right right uh black okay. panther debuted at number one and it had three weeks in total at number one, mm. but they weren't consecutive. Got it. So, you know, tricksy fast. <laughs> um, a Star is Born leads a busy top ten on the Billboard 200 as four albums debut in the region, led by Future and Juice World's World on Drugs at number two, followed by Greta Van Fleet's Anthem of the Peaceful Army at number three, Disturbs Evolution at number four, and Khalid's Sun City EP at number eight. Wow. Yeah, busy. You know, it's that time of year. Hmm. Plus, over on the Billboard Hot 100 chart, where Maroon 5's Girls Like You single featuring Cardi B holds at number one for a sixth straight week at number one, 
Travis Scott's Sicko Mode zooms 7 to 2 thanks to big streaming numbers aided by the release of its eye-popping music video. Have you seen that video? I have not. Oh, it's 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 great. Okay. It's just it's just sort of like like so many colors flashing there's a whole lot to I mean there's probably a lot happening sort of if you read between the lines and I just has sort of probably flown over my head it's it's a video that bears repeating bears repeating bears repeated viewings yes um, also making waves on the Hot 100, Marshmello and Bastille's Happier hits a new peak, rising 6-4. to four. Post Malone and Sway Lee's Sunflower debuts at number 9. Halsey's Without Me charges 23-12. to 12. And Cardi B's Money debuts at number 54 from just a couple days of activity after it leaked early last week. And we should see it make a big move up the list next week. That Happier song, everywhere. It is everywhere. And I feel like it's going to keep climbing. Uh, Happy was everywhere. Uh, th- I heard that Sunflower song uh, for the first time. I don't know. Sort of. Well, I, mean, I, I mean, I heard it for the first time on radio a few days ago. I also heard it for the first time on radio and then came into work and read about it. And I was that was one of the first times that's ever happened. I didn't know a song existed. I heard it and then I read about it. I mean, it didn't come out that long ago, but I felt like it was a little bit sort of under the radar. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, like, there's a sudden push at radio. Yeah. And because it's... It's from a soundtrack. It's a soundtrack from um, Spider-Man yeah. into the Spider-Verse. It's an yeah. animated film. Okay. Um, so, yeah, the tech, the, the, I think the full name of the song is Sunflower, parentheses, Spider-Man colon into the Spider-Verse. Oh, my. Yeah. That's that, really the full title? Yeah, it's kind of like when they named um, um, Earned It. Uh, mm, 50 Shades right. of Grey. Even though, like, that's actually the name of the song. Yeah. Even though... You don't say any of those words. Ooh, I totally foresee a, a chart story about it's movie just, titles shoved in. It's dumb. Songs. It's silly. Um, I'm sure it's contractual. Uh, and now it is time for our interview with Mike Posner, the singer songwriter behind massive hits, Cooler Than Me, and I Took a Pill in Ibiza, is back with his latest single, Song About You, and a new album on the way. We talk all about the new sound on Song About You, which is getting a ton of play at alternative radio. And pop radio. It's on both charts. It's a crossover hit. Um, Indeed. The many genres he's dabbled in in his almost decade-long career. Um, Cooler than me is from 2010, if anyone is wondering. (laughs) And the emotional journey of making his new album. So take a listen to our interview with Mike Posner. I just want to unwind, unwind. Everything that makes me feel confined. Sometimes I hate sunshine. Hello to Mike Posner and welcome to the Billboard Pop Shop Podcast. Hey, Hello. what's up? Thanks Hello. so much for coming in today. I just met Jesse McCartney <laughs> in your lobby. Isn't that it's just amazing? amazing. Yeah. When you just sit down in the lobby, the people you meet. Yeah. It's like <laughs> we, we, can, get, we can bring Jesse in. in here. You guys can like do a song together maybe. I don't know. Perhaps. Perhaps. Why not? Um, well, speaking of songs, let's start by talking about your latest single, Song About You. Um, can you kind of talk about the inspiration by this song and, and how it came together initially? I can't say too much about it, but I can say um, it was it 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 revealed itself. The song revealed itself after um, I, a really beautiful relationship I had ended. Yeah, yeah. I oh, mean, that, that's clear that, in the lyrics. You're like, and that's you're like, all, and that's all I say. can say. Yeah. Um, but uh, <laughs> I guess talk about how, like, where the song, how the song kind of came out of you, and then when that happened. Yeah, maybe. yeah. Sort of some like what actually happened was, <laughs> I, you know, I was in the studio. Like, tell me the person's name. Yeah, no, right no, no, no. we're not asking yeah, about right. that. We were in the studio, you know, after said event, and you know, uh, I was there with uh, Ricky Reed 
and Dan Wilson. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dan oh, Wilson. Great. He's been on the show before. He's yeah, great. He is great. He is great. Um, and we we screwed around all day uh, trying to come up with some songs. You know, that's what we do. And uh, we didn't really come up with anything. You know, started at ten or whatever. It's five six p.m. We had some my weird ideas. We started. You know, nothing that we were excited about. And Dan said, uh, all right, I'm going to leave in like 10 minutes, go home, you know, like, cool. And uh, he picked up one of Ricky's guitars right before he left, and he started playing. And me and Ricky looked at each other and said, what is that? He was like, I don't know, I'm just playing. And uh, Ricky just took out his iPhone and recorded uh, Dan playing the guitar mm-hmm. on his phone and then Dan was like cool he left he See went ya. home and then Ricky sent the recording to himself on the computer and he made a track out of it and then Ricky and I wrote the song over Dan's uh, <laughs> guitar through the iPhone did it come did it like just did it did the lyrics and the rest of the song come quickly or yeah I mean it's probably This song would like uh my songs tend to be um lyrical uh poetic part sometimes borderline like pedantic at times there's a lot of rewriting going on to get like the perfect line mm-hmm. this this one was the opposite it was like just oh, is that a fire uh, alarm no it's a phone right, how do I just hang it up and Let's answer it. it. You should put it in the podcast. Well, we're going to leave it in the podcast now. It's the benefits department, it says. Benefits. I feel like that's a spam phone call. I think you should pick that up. <laughs> benefits department, what do you got? What do you got to... Just want to let you guys know there's some snacks. Yeah. In <laughs> Those are the benefits. Um, are you going to unplug it? Um, I'm actually curious to know, uh, obviously, you know, as an artist, you know uh, that Dan Wilson's an incredible producer, but is he somebody before you were an artist? Did you know, like, Semisonic and I didn't, his I, music? I just knew, I just knew their hits, yeah. obviously, growing up. I didn't know who the band was when I was a kid. Okay. I was a really hip-hop kid. Mm. Um, so You were I, not jamming to so closing time. Semisonic were, is not quite hip-hop. I mean, I definitely knew that song. I <laughs> yeah. liked it, you know, uh, and it registered, you know, and it registers now. In my mind, is like sort of a classic song. Yeah, you know, it's one of those songs that everyone knows. Um, whether you know, it's similar to me. You know what I mean? Like uh, a lot of people know "Cooler Than Me" or "I Took a Pill in Ibiza," but they may not know the name Mike Posner. Sure, sure. Which doesn't bother me. But yeah, when I was a kid, I don't think I knew the name Semi Sonic, hmm. but <laughs> sure as heck knew that song. You, you talk about two of your songs, which have had like sort of, as we would say, multi-format appeal, um, <laughs> much like "Song About You," which. Um, alternative rock stations are playing um, mainstream top 40 pop stations are playing um, you know your music kind of straddles lots of genres um, and we're in a particularly kind of genre fluid time in music um, does it surprise you at all to see it you know to see the song being played on a wide spectrum of stations or what do you attribute that to 
Oh, look, I'm just making art the way I hear it. Yeah, like, let you the know? label work the promo. No, no, it's, you know, like we're, I had this conversation earlier today as another interview. As genre, you know, and you look like the if the music scene, you know, if if and what is that? If we're talking about all the music that's being created and released, you know, this year or whatever, um, that just is. That is what it is, and nothing more, nothing less. Genres are are words to sort of like split that up it's very similar to like um country like you know country lines being drawn on a map they're imaginary those lines don't exist in reality the genre is the same way that's not saying it's you know they're bad or not useful at times but um you know what you're seeing is the actual music scene itself the way we just defined it changing Hmm. and these country lines, these genre lines were drawn years ago, so they may not apply, you know, as perfectly as they once did. If Do they, you, but they don't exist in reality. You know, like on the on the deepest level, on the artist level, they don't matter. You know, to like, me, that really at all. So, like, if someone says, "Oh, you know, what kind of music do you make?" Like, I go, "Oh, crap!" <laughs> Here's that question. <laughs> don't about genre. Yeah. don't, don't take I, I mean, the bait. What would you say? <laughs> about my music i i mean well, looking at those three like hit songs I, that you just mentioned you can't like box th- those well, into one and even those are only the and that's jar- just three songs that's yeah, just three less songs. than one percent exactly. of the music i've made exactly. you know? i mean i, I think <laughs> it's tough i think i mean I'm, I'm trying to think of like we i mean because i work in our charts department so like we he literally does have to we, define genre unfortunately frequently. we literally have to like classify people on albums and sometimes it's really hard like if you look at someone like post malone or something who can be hip hop, but also pop, but also kind of alternative at the same time. And some Leaning artists, country sometimes, yeah, there's a little bit of twang there. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, some artists is just like you're sort of a pop artist that has tendencies to kind of maybe lean some directions. So sure, like, you know, yeah, yeah. Anyway. And something becomes pop when it is popular. That doesn't really mean anything either. It just means a lot of people heard it. Just fall into a long conversation about genre. <laughs> We're so sorry. It's okay. Yeah, you performed the song on the Late Late Show recently, and you did like a completely different rearrangement of it, which seemed like it really lended itself to like a live performance, like it was real like jam band like performance of it. Yeah. Um. Is that has that been how you've been performing it live as well? The few concerts that you've been doing. Yeah, we haven't done many yet. Yeah. Though. I think actually we've only done one. This the Red Rocks like, one show. Red Rocks, I did acoustic alone. Oh, but, no band, uh, okay. Yeah, when I have my band, Legendary Mike Posner band, um, we very seldom use um, like backing tracks. Most bands nowadays, you know, because the records sound so cool, you want to have like the like a computer basically. They're super play. complicated tracks. Yeah, they, yeah, like play some of the music yeah. from the actual recording and the band sort of like plays along. But we kind of like stubbornly tend not to do that. We do it maybe two songs in the set but the rest of them in uh, like song about you we try to just rip yeah <laughs> and so the songs end up sounding different they take it just like it's a whole different thing when we play the music we don't really try to make it sound like the recordings we just go hard <laughs> i saw some fans like asking for a recorded version of that version of the song from yeah. corden yeah um do you think that'll happen uh man, I think I <laughs> mean that maybe not up to you. No, I'd love to look. I think like you know, my record has talked to like I think it's on, his shows on CBS and mm. it's a whole thing. It's mm. a whole lot of complicated who owns what sort of stuff <laughs> yeah. happening yeah. there. 
Um, speaking of, you know, sort of new versions and reinterpretations of the song, um, there's also a new remix that Digital Farm Animals and Franklin did of the track. Um, does does the song sort of like seem to lend itself, you think, to, you know, sort of dance elements? Like, did you even think about that when you were like making the track or is that just nah. something that came totally afterwards? Usually a remix, when someone like uh, nowadays, when someone remixes my song, usually um, I'll just give the files to my A&R, who's Zeke Silvera, mm-hmm. and uh, he'll just go get some people to remix it that I don't even know. And then it comes back to you, and you, yeah. you get to like listen to them all and approve them. Correct. Yeah. But you, I try not to really say anything. Mm. If there's something like blatant, like they, they're like you, there's some sort of like blatant mistake, I'll say it. But I don't get into when someone's remixing my song. I don't get into telling them what to do because that's the whole point of why I hired them. Right. You know, the the track has it sort of takes on. It, I mean, it obviously makes it a little bit more kind of like poppy dancey. Um, do you, when you approve remixes like that, cause obviously you had a, the seed remix of Tokyo mm-hmm. and Bill um, was a big hit on top 40 radio. Yeah. Actually cooler than me was a remix too. It's crazy how yeah, that works. Oh, origi- I didn't realize that. Yeah. The original cooler than me, actually me and big Sean, I produced it on my mixtape for hmm. about two years. And then, uh, this, this guy named Gigamesh, super talented from Min- Minnesota, I believe he remixed. I asked him to remix. I was a fan. I said, would you remix my song? He said, yeah, he did it. And that was the one that got really popular, hmm. the version. That's weird. I mean, do you, do you think about that at all? And, like, do people say, like, oh, I love that track? You're like, yeah, but do you know the album version? <laughs> or or does that even matter to you? No, it doesn't. It's not like it, – it's not a – it's not like a – what's the word? I say net song, but that's not it. It's not a – like a finite pie. So when someone hears the remix, it doesn't take one away from mm. the right. album. You know, right. if anything, it might add another one. Right. So, hey, it doesn't upset me at all. I think it's pretty cool. And that, I mean, look, I've you know I've probably made thousands of songs at this point in my life. You know, I started writing songs when I was eight. I'm thirty now. It's you know, twenty two years of writing songs. So you just think like every once in a while, I probably have five songs now that have become hits you know some from of my own some i've written for other people so it's, it's just a cool thing that happens you know and yeah. i don't i don't try not to make too because it's just surprising too like whoa that one yeah. that one okay <laughs> sure, all right, right. Uh-huh. okay cool. here we go <laughs> and uh you know it just happens when it happens so you know you're and it doesn't happen every day at least for me so i'm just grateful when it does yeah you know? Um, you uh, have a new album on the way that will include song about you, um, and you were able to have some listening sessions back in September for the album. And from we, what we know about the album so far, it was really inspired by um, your father's passing last year. Um, how did you decide to make music about about that? Was that something that came naturally, or something that was a challenging choice? I just make music about my life, mm. you know. So, um, what happens in my life? That happens in my music. There's not really any wall there. Mm. You know, I write my own music. Um, so that's what happens. It you just know, happens. Life, life happens, and there's no, yeah, there's no, there's no barrier between me and my music. There's no thing. In, there's no thing in my life where I go, oh, no, can't Awful write about really? that. No. Mm. I was, I was just about to ask, like, is there, do you think, like, like one of those things where you, you write it down or you record it and then you take a step back and you're like, maybe not. Maybe I'll just hold on to that for myself. My good friend, he, 
His name is NQ, and in my opinion, he's one of the best poets we have alive today, if not the best. And he says very eloquently, art is alchemy. So when you're doing art, you're taking your own suffering and transforming it, alchemizing it into something beautiful. Suffering to beauty. You know, that's if you're doing a good job. So, it's important to make sure you're doing that. Now, you can get off track if you go, oh, wow, that that transformation I did last album, that people really like that. I need I need some more suffering, or mm. I need to I need to make an. That's not alchemy Repeat anymore. The equation that is actually transforming suffering into suffering. Mm. That's mm. not alchemy, and that's not art. So, my only job is really to make sure I'm not dramatizing or victimizing myself because that's not alchemy. That's that's transforming suffering to suffering. Right. And I want to do that. I want to make beauty out of. Out of you know hard things. Werner Herzog says, "The poet must not avert his eyes," which for me means you know you. When you're a real artist, you look at the beautiful and the divine. Try to help people see that, but you also look at the shitty and the terrible and the ghastly and the disgusting, and and try to find some beauty and peace in that as yeah. well. Um, you actually released a spoken word album back in January speaking of poetry and it feels like you kind of continue that vibe a little bit you have some spoken word on the new album give the title a try do you have it I was going to say are we allowed to (laughs) are we allowed to say um, song titles because we've heard the album we don't want to name check anything if we're not allowed to when's the podcast come out Uh, tomorrow yeah tomorrow so maybe not so much you could put it out later and we can go all the way yeah we can maybe we'll have to go all the way later right I'll come back for round two maybe okay so we won't get too deep into it but there is a bit of spoken word on there and it's it's especially emotionally raw song on the album um you know, is that something that kind of came out where you were writing, writing like poetry or was something that you spoke out loud or how did that sort of come about? This particular one never was written down. Hmm. Wow. Yeah. Which, you know, songs like that too, after I, you know, about 10, after doing like 10, 15 years, sometimes I, you write songs and you don't actually need to write them mm-hmm. anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You just record them mm-hmm. or you got in your head and you just go. It just flows out. Yeah. yeah, I remember being a kid and like hearing about Jay Z doing that, how he doesn't use a pen, and like watching. Mm-hmm. Um, I think his movie was called Fade to Black. Watching that and just like not even understanding it because it seemed so crazy that someone <laughs> could write a song without writing anything down. But <laughs> lo and behold, like, ten years later, <laughs> I was doing the same thing. You've like rewired your brain for that. Yeah, you just do it. I mean, like you just do it so much, you know. And well, so when that came out, and you and you had these words, did you always know that you just wanted to speak it, as opposed to you know turning it into a song or saying or what? Well, it is a song, but turning it into um, a music melody. Hmm. I think I probably knew knew to deliver it that way, the same way I would know to sing something else. Yeah, hmm. and you just know. Just yeah. your brain. It's a, you're like, no. I yeah, know. that way. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, you, you, we mentioned, you know, you did Red Rocks, and I think you've done, like, Corden, but you haven't really done much touring or, like, more live performances sort of around the new music. 
are we expecting yeah, some yet. more live yes. dates to happen soon? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's well, the honest answer is you tour, you know, we tour probably a year and a half, two years after the last album, mm-hmm. and then you make a new album. Um, so really, I want to have the new album come out, yeah, yeah, and then tour because uh, otherwise we'd just sort of be doing the same show. Right, right. Which to me was like, I was done with that. I still am done with that, you know. It's time for me to put the new stuff out and then go. Does it seem like it'll be at all um, difficult to perform this music that came from a a tragic place, Um, you know, maybe night after night, doing these same songs that are, you know, very emotional for you at all? I don't know. I guess you'll find out when no, you No, I mean, look, I sing the songs pretty much every day because I practice. Yeah. You know? Um, and sometimes, sometimes I'll start crying when I play. That's probably like 5% of the time when practicing. It just hits you. But I don't think it's a bad thing. It just means you're connected with the song, you know? Connected with something. You feel something. I don't That's think it'd be hard. I think it'd just be... I don't even think that would be a bad thing if I cried on stage. I think, honestly, mm-hmm. the way I look at it would be a good thing. It be, like, real. Not in a sort of, like, showing off sort of way, but <laughs> just, like, I don't know. I like It feels good to me to cry sometimes. Sometimes I wish I could cry more. <laughs> I was just going to say, and I didn't want to give away too much of the, you know, of your project, but, like, um, I definitely cried when we were just listening to it because... Um, uh, I'm a new mom, and I heard the audio of your dad um, introducing you as a baby to mm-hmm. um, family, and so that immediately made me just like lose it because then that's you know that's my perspective. I'm coming from like that's my own personal thing, but like it just immediately attached me to the album and your Thank story. You. So yeah, you know you get we started like looking look at these home. My mom, you know, is like packing up the house because now she's alone in the house. Mm. You know, it used to be like our whole family. It was already like too big when it was just my parents, you know. And so like, you know, my dad passed away. So anyways, I found all these home videos like going through and it's like, well, these people loved me. Like you love your kid already before I can even remember. Mm. They were already there loving me. And so to me, it's just like, you know, the album starts off with death. And ends with life, you know, yeah. and that's sort of like the answer with, without me spelling it out. Now I'm spelling it out. <laughs> but, you know, without me spelling out, it's like, look, you know, there, one of the silver linings in this death is that it came at the tail end of a life and that life made your life. And it created everything that's happened in your life. And maybe more life will come out of the, your life as well. You don't know. That's that's beautiful. Thank it you. feels like a perfect <laughs> note to end on as well since we've um taken the amount of time that we told you we would. Um but thank you so much and and you know I can't wait for the rest of the world to hear this album. Thank you for listening to me on. much to Mike Posner for coming in. Um, we really appreciate him speaking so candidly and honestly about this super emotional album and 
Uh, really looking forward to when you all get a chance to hear it. And now it's time for the chart stat of the week. Hmm? To the extreme, I rock a mic like a vandal. Light up a stage and wax a chump like a candle. Dance. Corrupt speaker that booms. I'm killing your brain like a poisonous mushroom. Deadly. When I play a dope melody, anything less than the best is a felony. This week, back in 1990, Vanilla Ice. Ice, ice, baby. Hit number one on the Billboard Hot 100 with Ice, Ice, baby. <laughs> oh, oh, that one? <laughs> that one. That, that Ice, Ice, baby track, yeah. Um, the track climbed three to one on the tally dated November 3rd, 1990, and marked the only number one for the rapper. The song, which is based around a sample of Under Pressure by Queen and David Bowie, was originally the B-side to a single, believe it or not. Now, to familiarize those folks who are <laughs> young and don't know what a B-side means, uh, back in the day when the only way that you could actually purchase an individual song was on a physical single that you would purchase in stores, the front side of the, like, say, vinyl 7-inch single, that mm-hmm. would be the A-side. That's the that's the song that is really the, the single. That's the one they're working to radio, that they're promoting. That's the official single. And then the other side of it, the B-side, the back side, mm-hmm. would have, like, maybe a live track or an album cut or something else. But that isn't, that is not, that is more like a bonus. It's mm-hmm. kind of like, oh, here's this other thing on the back of it. You know, it's not the uh, thing they're actually working as a single. So, It was first issued independently as the B-side of Vanilla Ice's reworking of Wild Cherry's Play That Funky Music. Uh, According to Fred Bronson's Billboard book of number one hits, uh, it was a disc jockey at WAGH in Columbus, Georgia, that started the story for Ice Ice Baby as he liked the flip side of Play That Funky Music better and started playing it on his station. Soon other stations followed suit and Ice Ice Baby started to gain regional attention. Soon Vanilla Ice got signed to SBK Records and the label released Ice Ice Baby as a proper single with it as the A-side. And the song shot up the Hot 100. So there you have it this week back in 1990. Vanilla Ice topped the Hot 100 with Ice Ice Baby. This is bringing up memories because my brother. Yeah. (laughs) Collaborate and listen. My brother, uh, I got him two singles for his birthday. I guess the year would have been 1990 because his birthday's in April. And if this hit the Hot 100 number one now, well, maybe we were way behind the times and after hit number one could have been the following year. Anyway, I got him two singles. Maybe this will help solve the mystery. Mm -hmm. Ice Ice Baby and uh, MC Hammer. You can't touch this. You can't touch this. They were number one around the same time. Really? Well, actually, You Can't Touch This didn't go to number one. Oh, as I'm just like throwing. Yeah, why are you doing this, Katie? Sorry, here, why don't we look? You're screwing this up, Katie. (laughs) People need to know about my brother's birthday gifts in the year 1990. (laughs) All right, so You Can't Touch This was definitely released in 1990. We now know. Yeah, You Can't Touch This didn't go to number one. Wow, that's wild. Yeah. Yeah, according to... According to uh, Wikipedia, which we don't like to cite, but I'm going doing it in a pinch, number eight on the Hot 100 is what it peaked at. How about I just look it up in our own actual <laughs> computer? I have uh, this power. Uh, yeah, number eight. Okay. Um, any parting words? 
Well, that's all I had. Oh. Well. <laughs> that was my parting words. And I mean, it feels like you can't touch this is the obvious going out song. Do, 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 do. All right. <laughs> see you guys next time. Bye. My, 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 my music hits me so hard. Makes me say, oh my Lord, thank you for blessing me. What am I doing? Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky. Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.